good morning, church. What a joy to be here again and gather with the church family. To me, there's nothing like uh, being gathered together as a family and enjoying the presence of the Lord. Um, over this next um, week and a half, I'm going to be preparing a team to get ready to go to El Salvador. And um, at the end of our service, we have a box that's set up out here, and that box is uh, just designated for um, a $1 offering for El Salvador. If you'd like to contribute to that and give to that, we'd appreciate that uh, very much. And uh, the reason is because we have uh, so many things that's going on there, and uh, our expenses uh, have been great. Uh, for instance, I have a team of 15 that's going, and it costs us about 80 to $100 a day for a, uh, to rent a van and a driver uh, to help us um, move us around. But we have to have two vans, and we have to have a large truck. Uh, a, the large truck is so that we can transport 7,000 eyeglasses and all of the uh, other equipment from one place to another. And so, um, a four or five hour distance between uh, those places. So, uh, any any contributions are good. And um, this is just a picture of our prescription eyeglass clinics that we do. I thought it was interesting in the in the last service that uh, one of the ladies came to me afterwards, and she said, "I'm so thankful that you're doing this because I just had eye surgery." Um, this is a middle-aged lady. She said, I just had eye surgery on one eye, and next week I'll have eye surgery on the other, and I can actually see now. And so she was, she's gaining the significance of that. But it's not just that, and, and I've seen, and, and in some of these pictures here, you'll see uh, people who, when they receive their glasses, we also gave them a Bible because, listen, you can help people physically, but if we're not sharing the gospel or opening the opportunity for them to be saved, we can make people smell better, look better. We can make people uh, be uh, more educated, all of these kind of things. But if you're not sharing the gospel with them and they don't get saved, they're still going to die and go to hell. Okay? And so what we do also is we try to get Bibles to them. And this, these guys here, when soon, almost immediately when we gave them Bibles, they started reading their Bibles. I see that so often there. And then uh, also, one lady, she received her glasses, and then she received a Bible, and we talked with her for a little bit, and immediately she just dropped on her knees and started thanking God for uh, what he was giving to her. And I thought I'd take a picture to just share that uh, with you. It's here. So uh, just be praying for us. A great opportunity. We're going to be in public schools sharing quite a bit also, at least three different school locations that we'll be involved with. And uh, a lot of them don't have school um, sports supplies, so we take those, and that opens the door for us to get into the schools. And once we get in there, the headmasters in these schools will let us share. For instance, the first school we're going to has about 650 students, and they want us to come in, and they'll tell us, you can share whatever you want to share. Um, so we go through a whole gospel presentation. Uh, we go through every class that's there, and then that they just have classes in the mornings, and then they have a different group come in in the afternoons, so then we're sharing with a different group in the, in the afternoons. And it's been very rewarding for us to be able to do this. In some places, they've never, they have no uh, sports equipment of any kind, any playground equipment, nothing like that. And so this opens the door for us to be able to share the gospel. But our real focus is that in these areas, then we can plant churches. Just like some 
years, many, many years ago, someone had a vision of putting a church in Villa Ridge. And just like that, we are able to go in and do eyeglass clinics, work in schools, um, go out throughout the community, share the gospel, and we start seeing uh, just a few people that saved. And that, and that picture actually was a... Was a um, I baptized those two uh, ladies that was there uh, a year or two back, and um, we gave them Bibles. They didn't have any Bibles. And uh, can you imagine a church that uh, the only one who had a Bible was the pastor? And so uh, we, we have purchased a number of Bibles, and we will take those Bibles and distribute them in different places also. And so it's just a lot of work that we're doing, and it's, uh, we're going out from the church here. Uh, next week, I'll have some of those team members here, and we'll lay hands on them, but we want to give you an opportunity to, um, to be part of what we're doing. This morning, we're going to be observing the Lord's Supper in a little while. And uh, so, if you, uh, if you didn't receive one of these little containers like this, just raise your hand, and we'll bring one to you, okay? There's a, there's a couple people that's in here. Anyone up there? There's some up in the balcony. So, uh, they'll, they'll bring them to you. Just keep your hand up, and we'll make sure and get them to you. And uh, don't open them yet. We'll be doing that in a little bit. I want to share with you uh, some passages of Scripture on what the Bible says about the Lord's Supper. I think it's a wonderful thing. Over the years, I've had opportunities uh, to be in a number of uh, church services in different countries, and we've observed the Lord's Supper in them. I think one of the most meaningful ones was when Karen and I was working with an underground church um, in Iran, and um, we were actually not in Iran, but they were uh, uh, Iranian believers that had come out to a, uh, uh, to a particular location, and uh, we were in a very secure place, and uh, they wanted to uh, uh, have the Lord's Supper because in their villages there were only one or two believers uh, in their entire village, and so uh, we were able to pull uh, a number of believers together and do a Lord's Supper service. It was pretty significant for them uh, to be able to do that. And so we did some teaching even for them on the meaning of what the Lord's Supper is. I've seen it done many different places sometimes, the church gathered along a riverside. Uh, sometimes it was under the mango tree. Sometimes they had a building like what we have here. Sometimes they just had a little lean-to out in the jungle or uh, something like that. But just gathering together with a group of believers, the church family uh, in that community has a great significance. And so we, we partake of the Lord's Supper. Uh, we will uh, today. And I want us to take a look at a passage of Scripture. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, would you turn with me to the book of 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 11? And I'm going to read to you from, uh, from verse 23. And there's two main areas that you're going to find in this passage of Scripture that uh, the Apostle Paul talks about. First of all, he gives to us a great illustration, our Lord Jesus Christ. And he talks about what that night was like. And then after that, he gives some application to it. Okay, because of that then, uh, this is what we need to do, and this is how we prepare for the Lord's Supper. And so uh, there are great passages of Scripture. Those of you that can, uh, would you stand with me? If you can't, that's all right. I'm just going to read uh, from God's Word and um, uh, uh, these passages, and then I want to talk a little bit about it, and then together <clears throat> we will observe that in just a little bit. <clears throat> Let me get something to drink before I start reading this. Okay, notice what it says here, verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, 
that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And then the application part of it is this. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Let's pray together again. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. We pray that you would just speak to our hearts, teach us this morning to know your word, to know you, to walk with you. Open our eyes just as we give eyeglasses to people who can't see. Give to us spiritual eyeglasses to see your word and understand it. Father, there's needs in this room. There are physical needs, spiritual needs, financial needs. There's emotional needs. We pray that those needs are met. We sang about it today, Father. You can bring healing in these areas. You're the chain breaker. You're the one who can restore and deliver and set us free. And we're praying for that today. And then, Father, that we would be obedient to you. As we read your word, let us act upon it. That you would be honored by it. That your name would be glorified. And that your kingdom would be advanced. And, Father, we ask these things in the strong, mighty name of Jesus. And the people said, Amen. You can be seated. We look at this passage of Scripture. There's some great truths here. And I love sharing the Word of God. And one of those great truths is that he starts out with here is that we're to look back uh, to remember uh, the cross, to remember what Christ would have us to do. In verse 26 here, you'll notice what he says. He says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. And so the emphasis in looking at our Lord's Supper service is always uh, in that remembrance aspect. Matter of fact, we could say it's like a memorial service that we might remember. We may remember this event, this thing that took place in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the initiator of that. Uh, He says here, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. So the Apostle Paul wasn't giving his opinion. He was giving to us the actual facts of what our Lord and our Savior have said to us about what uh, about the Lord's Supper. And so this whole area, this, uh, this entire, these passages all deal with that topic of uh, partaking uh, of the Lord's Supper and how important that is. Matter of fact, as you read these in verse 24 and 25, you're going to find a few words that are the same. It says, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. It was speaking about the bread. 
and took, he said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. And then you'll find in verse 25, the same, almost the same words at the end of this, he says, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new, is the, it says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. And so when we focus on the Lord's Supper, we're to be focusing on an event that took place 2,000 years past, uh, but it brings us right to the present because it's reality. Because, see, really when we look at this, we're talking about the means whereby you come to know Christ and, and the payment that was paid in Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. And so with that, when we think of that, he wants us to always keep that in mind that, that the things, I think it's not just in our Lord's Supper service, but in the earlier service, the second service, we had a baptismal service. And you'll notice that when we do baptisms, Raymond, often as he's baptizing someone, he will take that person and he'll say, buried in baptism, raised in newness of life. What's he talking about with that? He's talking about the meaning, again, the significance of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, but he's also talking about that person who is being baptized, that he is a believer, and we get to see a visual picture of what took place in that person's life when they trusted in Christ as their Savior. So it's the picture of that person being buried uh, uh, to their old life and raised to a new life. And so we see the importance of those in the Scriptures. Everything in the Bible uh, that we're reading when we look about church worship and so forth, so forth focuses on uh, in remembrance of me. It's not about uh, how we do or what we do, but it's always about who. Uh, and that's, what, that's where we should ask our questions in our Sunday school classes and all the activities that we're doing. Is this event, is this thing going to be about Jesus and about, uh, about him being glorified and honored in that. And so uh, when we look at this, we see those kind of things. And that was the illustration that Paul was giving, was the, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus and, and what was taking place there within his life and uh, what was going on. And so uh, it, it, it's focusing then on the, that time 2,000 years ago when the uh, when his disciples uh, walked away, they, they were fearful and afraid, and they left him. It, it, it talks about, when we're looking back, the cruel treatment during his trial, or the brutal scourging by the soldiers who were professional guys that were trained to inflict harm and pain, as much pain as they could on people. They were professionals in that. And that's what they did to Jesus by beating him and bruising his body, and, and uh, battering him, and, uh, and whipping him, all of those kind of things. The weight of the cross in carrying it to Calvary. The racking pain that uh, seared through his body as uh, they stretched him out uh, and nailed the nails uh, into, his, uh, into his wrist uh, and into his feet. And then the pain of lifting that cross up and, the, and his entire body weight resting on the place where those nails uh, were driven in and, and uh, where they were in his feet. And his body is hanging there by those nails. Excruciating pain. 
And so, so as Paul is talking about this, he's saying that, that in all of these things, Jesus is talking about uh, that cry uh, that, that of forsakenness, my Father, uh, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? When Jesus bore upon himself your sin, my sin, and, uh, and, and in exchange, we received his righteousness by placing our faith in him. And so, as we partake of the Lord's Supper, we should always take a look back to see what's, what, what, what's going on. We're to, we're to take a look within and to confess the sin. When I say take a look in, I'm talking about a cleansing, a work that God would do in your heart and my heart in helping us to, to see ourselves as to where we really are. Sometimes we can overlook our own faults, our own sin. And we can be hard on others and easy on ourselves when the Scriptures teach us clearly that it should be the other way. Easy, uh, uh, easy on others and hard on ourselves. And so in doing that, in working, and just asking God to, to do some work in our hearts, notice the Scripture here, because it's a time of personal cleansing. This is a time not when we're looking at somebody else, but it's a time for our own selves to be examining our own hearts. Uh, Paul says here, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of our Lord. And so what was he talking about? What is this unworthy manner? He was talking about when we partake of the Lord's Supper, for us to be drawn our attention, focused on other things, as though this is just some ritual, this is just some act that we do, this is just something we do in church, but we really don't pay any attention to what the real meaning of it is. It would be like us partaking of it, but thinking, I wonder who's going to win the Cardinal game today. We know, they're not, but uh, um, this has been a bad year for the Cardinals. <laughs> But as we look at these things, it's so easy for us, and the enemy would love for us to, to, for our attention to be distracted from the basic, from the most important things to something else. It may be, um, it, it could be a variety of things that, that could be there. So make sure that as, we par, as we're partaking of the Lord's Supper, that our focus, as we're, we're focusing on that, do this in remembrance of me. And so then we, and then he goes on to say here, but let a man examine himself. That would be like placing ourselves underneath that microscope and let him uh, look at the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. And each one of you have as a believer, if you're a believer in Jesus and you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you have the same Holy Spirit that the Apostle Paul had. Uh, you have the same Holy Spirit as any other uh, a preacher or pastor or missionary or anyone else has. It's not as though they have something over you. No, not at all. And so that same Holy Spirit is revealing, speaking to us, and it's, and it's pinpointing some things. I, I find that the Holy Spirit doesn't do things in generalities. You kind of did maybe something over here. No, he pinpoints it. And I wonder this morning as you were getting ready to come to church, were there unkind words that was said? Were there actions and attitudes that took place this morning that wasn't honoring to God? Did you come here thinking, I hope so-and-so isn't around? Because you know I don't like so-and-so. 
See, these are the kind of things we need to examine our hearts on, to confess and to say, okay, Lord, help me. And I realize that for some of you, you've gone through some deep waters in your past. You've been hurt, maybe in a physical way, maybe in an emotional way, maybe, maybe in, in a financial way. Things just didn't go the way that you wanted them to go. Maybe somebody said something to you in church. This is the time where you can examine your heart to say, okay, God, I need healing. I need you to work in my life now. I, I need this. And so in partaking of the Lord's Supper, we're saying, I, I, need, a, I, I need to hit the restart button. I, I, I need from time to time. So think about this as we partake of the Lord's Supper. It's like hitting that refresh, uh, restart. I, I need some cleansing done here. I, I need to get rid of some things. And you confess that before our Lord, and He does those kind of things. He brings healing. Because as we look at this, you're going to find in these next verses, notice what it says here. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are what? Weak, sick among you, and many sleep. That word sleep is a reference to they have died. And as a result, and what, was the, what was the basis of that is because there were actions and things that they were doing that they didn't have to. They could have confessed it. And let me just give you uh, easier attention. None of us are worthy enough. None of us. But all of us can partake if we have Christ as our Savior. And, and here's the thing. Because he gives to us a promise that if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And you know what you, you, know what you have to do to receive that? Believe it. Believe it by faith. <coughs> Excuse me. It, regardless of what your past has been, trusting him. Now, for some of you, those scars are deep. Those emotional scars, they're there. And maybe you prayed over that and prayed over that and prayed over that. Ask God to bring healing in your heart. Take that time to examine yourself to say, Lord Jesus, I need this in my heart and in my life. I'm reminded of that, um, of the, um, the movie that came out some time ago was called Sabrina. It was about um, Richard and Sabrina Wormbrandt, who were the... Um, missionaries in Romania who were put in prison for like 17 years. Richard was a pastor and he was tortured many times over and over and over again. It's a great movie. If you get a chance to see it, you should see it. I think my wife and I have a copy and we'd be willing to loan it out uh, with a little note on the back that says, Stolen from Norman Karen Howell's <laughs> library. Okay, but uh, no... I, because it's worth you seeing. And she was deeply betrayed, and her family was taken away from her because of a man that was a Romanian who turned her into the, to the Germans, tortured, brutally tortured her and her husband, and her son left to wander on the streets. And at the conclusion of the movie, the guy that turned her in 
came, and he didn't know how she would respond, but she forgave him. You know how that takes place? Only through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it on your own. And some of you are trying to deal with your angers and your frustrations on your own, and you can't do it. It's going to only be by your submission to the will of God to say, Lord Jesus, I need your help. And that's why the Lord's Supper is so important for us, because we can, it can be a healing process into your body physically, mentally, spiritually. That restart, that refresh button, and that's, that's so, so important. And then you'll notice he says, uh, he'll go, he goes on for, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, he says, we are chastened, disciplined by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. When, he's, when he gives to us these words, it's, it's like those of you that have children, when you Tell that child, no, don't touch that. Now, some children will listen almost immediately. Our son was one of those. He, was, he, he would listen. And, and, and uh, uh, it wasn't like you had to tell him over and over and over. He just listened the first time. And then came child number two. Takes after her mother. No, it's not that way at all. Because actually our son takes more after, after Karen and, and uh, Kelly takes more after my personality in some ways. And uh, we could tell Kelly, Karen mostly, because she, I was working away from home a lot and she was there in, just in, in teaching and training. And she said I, she could call me at, or I could call her and she would say, I had, to, I had to slap her hands. And I said, no, don't touch that. Because, see, this is what we did in our house. We didn't remove things off of all the, china, the, the cabinets and stuff. You know what we did? We taught our kids not to do certain things. It is doable. You can do that, okay? Now, I know when you get to be grandparents, it's like you want to kind of give in on that. But no, you can teach your, your children. Listen, you can teach them that. And so we taught our daughter that. But you know what? She had lots of spankings, but eventually she realized it. This passage of Scripture is saying that, okay, we have God's Word there, and if we'll just judge ourselves, allow God to work through His Word speaking to us about things that we know are not right, we confess those before Him. We're in, we have peace with our Lord through the blood of our, our Lord Jesus Christ. But if we don't, then He's going to discipline us. And I can tell you, just as sure as you're sitting here, if you are a believer and you are living in sin, big or small, because see, we like, to, we like to say, oh, the biggies. Oh, that's, that, that's no big deal. But that's not how God operates. God's a holy God. And so if there's an issue that needs to be settled in your heart, take care of it. And before we partake of the Lord's Supper in just a little bit, we're going we're gonna to take a little bit of time I had some that told me in the last service, they said, I wished, I wished you, could, you, could, you, you would announce this a week ahead of time, that we're going to do the Lord's Supper, because I feel like 30 seconds isn't near enough time for me to prepare my heart. And there may be some truth to that, that we, just, we need some time to think through this. But we're going to do that in a little bit. Maybe God is starting to pinpoint something in your heart and your mind right now. 
that needs to be dealt with. It may be a sin that needs to be confessed. Maybe it's an act of disobedience that needs to be followed. That you need, to, you need to kick it in gear. You need to step up to what God's calling you to do or what He wants you to be doing. Maybe it's something that needs to be a restitution. I did this wrong. I need to make it right. I need to make sure that this is right. And so in those areas, again, these are be- this is between you and the Lord that you in the quietness of your heart would say, okay, God, I hear what you're saying. I don't want to be sick. I don't want to be weak spiritually. I certainly don't want to be dead. I want to be alive for you, serving you. And so you work in my heart, Lord, and help me to get to that place where I need to be. Now, here's another area. Look around at our church family. Just take a moment and look around. I know some of you are prettier than others. Okay. It's... Yeah, we can look around. Now, now here's, the, here's, the, here's the thing. There's a lot of diversity in, in the church, isn't there? There's a lot of diversity. Um, you know, first of all, uh, I, I just want to clue you in. You can't listen to what we hear on the news. There's, there are just two genders, aren't there? Male and female, okay? You're one or the other here uh, today. Just, just two genders. Now, we know that there are people who struggle with a lot of these kind of things uh, and those issues. And, uh, and we, we, can, we can help them. But so in this room, there, there are men and women, boys and girls. There's some diversity. There, there, there are guys with hair, and there's guys that don't have hair. And there are guys that have imitation hair. Okay? We got, we got it all. Okay? And, uh, and they're, they're tall, and they're short. And, uh, and we, have, we have people here with dark hair and people here with light hair. We have people here with glasses and people... So there's a lot of diversity. But let me just tell you what else there is here. That, that we, we all don't have the same personality. Uh-huh. And usually the person that you're sitting beside, you're wishing they had your personality so that you could get along with them. But I found this out when I was in a seminary class many years ago. We had a personality test. And once we had the test, they took us then and grouped us with all of those that had the same personality. So we had this group and this group and this group and this group and this group. And you know who was in my group? The one guy I could not stand. (coughs) True. Happened in seminary. Taught me a lesson. And as we look around in the body of Christ... There's a lot of diversity in personalities, but there's diversity in our spiritual gifts. And sometimes what we do is we look around at other people and we say, uh, I, want, I want what they've got. I want to be able to do what they've got. And you may be gifted at it. You may not be gifted at it. <clears throat> but spiritual gifting is something you definitely will be gifted at because it's something that God gives when He gives a spiritual gift. We have natural abilities... We have people who are natural musicians and natural singers. We have people who are trained musicians and trained singers. There is a difference between that. My wife's a natural, a natural uh, musician. She plays by ear. She plays by note. Uh, she transposes. She can do those kind of things. Me, uh, I, I was a musician, and I had to read notes and look at it and still can't play anything. And uh, so uh, there's, there's, there is a difference. 
with spiritual gifts. When God gives you a spiritual gift, and every one of us are believers, uh, I'd say every one of us as believers, you have a spiritual gift. And you can, you can excel in your spiritual gift. Why? Because God chose to give that to you as he wanted to give it to you for that purpose of glorifying him inside of the church. You were not given a spiritual gift so you could say, oh, good, I can tuck this away on a shelf never to be used. No, it was never, it was never purposed for that. So we do have diversity, but we have unity because it's all about us doing things with the same focus. Remember, it's in remembrance of me. That's what Jesus said. Do this in remembrance of me. And in ministry in the church is about Jesus. It's about what he'd want. And we're the body of Christ. And so as we look at this passage of Scripture, you're going to find here, uh, you'll notice the word participation. Participation in the body of Christ. That we're all part of that participation. Now, this past week, I, I listened to Erwin um, uh, Lutzer on Bot Radio uh, one day as I was coming to the church or doing something, and he was talking about a, a, a medical doctor. I think the medical doctor was into some kind of research-type work or something like that, where they were researching, um, you know, for diseases and, and surgeries and different things like this. And in order to do that, um, they, you know, they have to have body parts, and so sometimes you can donate a body part, and then they will do, you know, they will take that body part and they will um, research on that to see, okay, how could we do this or how could we do that and learning how better tech, techniques and how to, to help you. And he said, this doctor told a guy that was at, uh, that, that was there in his office or something of that, he says, hey, and by the way, if you want anything, uh, there's some food and some drinks and stuff in the refrigerator. When he opened up the refrigerator, there was a hand in there a hand, you know, that they'd pull out. Now, I had biology class when I was at Southwest Baptist University, and we had, you know, we, we did a, a, a heart of a goat, where, and each day uh, when I come to class, we had to do different work on that, and, and they, they, we had a, a pig, um, a, a, you know, that we had to dissect and, and had, to, had to cut that thing. And so and it was always right before lunchtime when we did this. And I would always say, I'd say, hey, anybody want some ham sandwiches? I got some fresh stuff right here. But uh, anyway, it didn't go over very good in biology. But, but you know what? That hand couldn't do anything cut off from the body. You see, see, most of you that are here are members of our church, but there are some that aren't, and I just encourage you that you ought to be part of a local church body. Because, because we're a family, and Paul is talking about a body. He's not talking about a body that's three states away or two counties away or wherever. He's talking about you finding a place where you're really part of that church body. And, and he talks about a unity, a participation, and a unity that takes place in all that. Matter of fact, you'll find here, he says, uh, in, in chapter 10, he says, For we, though many, are one bread and one body, uh, for we all partake of the one bread. And so, again, that connection of us being one body in Christ. Now, now here's, the, here's the thing. If I want something, say like a donut, and the, just for, you know, I'm just, I'm just using this as an illustration, darling, okay? She's back there. But if I wanted a donut, and, I, and, and I'm, sitting, I'm, I'm out here talking and shaking hands with people, and all of a sudden it hits me, there are donuts over there, and it hits me. And so, uh, so this is what happens. 
Within a millisecond of time, my brain thinks this up. Okay? Now, it's not a minute later that my feet say, okay, start walking. What happens when that thought comes? Immediately you start going like this, almost like a magnet drawing you over there. Okay, when you get over there, you know what you do? Your shoulder kicks into place, which causes your arm to kick into place, which causes your elbow to bend, which causes your wrist to turn, which causes your fingers to to grab more than one and squeeze tight. And you're pulling all of these things working at the same time. All at the same time. See, when Paul uses the illustrations, and that was his favorite description of the church family, a body. And he was saying that there's diversity because there's all kinds of parts in the body. But all of them function for one purpose, working together. And so we've got these hands, but if they're cut off and they're not connected to a church body, how do they function? How do they work? You can't be a Lone Ranger Christian. You need each other. We need the body of Christ, and we're able to do multiple things. That's why a visitor said to me this morning, this is one of the best churches I've ever been in. I I really love this church. When I'm in this area, I like to come to this church. You know why? Because there's a unity about us. Now, unity does not mean that we all agree on everything. No. Everybody doesn't like donuts. Some people like carrots. Some, we're just not the same, are we? But here's the, here's the difference. You see, we can disagree without being disagreeable. I had a deacon when, we were, uh, when I was at, uh, in, in Bolivar, pastoring a church there, and our church just grew. It grew incredibly uh, fast. And as it was growing, this deacon in, in every one of our business meetings voted against us building a new building. And so, the majority of us wanted to build the building. And so, as we were going to the site where we had purchased some property, on that morning, I was the first one there. And the second one there was this deacon. And my thought was, oh boy, I wonder what he's going to to say. He went to the back of his truck, he got out his tool belt, Strapped his tool belt on, and I said, well, brother, it's good to see you here this morning. I, I didn't think you were in favor. He said, well, it's not about me and what I'm in favor on. It's what the church has decided as a body that we should be doing. And so I'm here to serve, Pastor. And you know, he helped all the way through the building of that building. You see, that's how the body of Christ functions. Your toe may say to you, I want to be an eye, I want to be an eye, I want to be an eye. And you say, no, you can't be an eye. You're going to be a toe. No, I want to be be an eye, I want to be an eye, I want to be an eye. No, you're not going to be a toe. Now, it may be that you're going to have to finally say, okay, you you can be an eye, but the only thing you're going to see is the inside of a shoe. And so in the body of Christ, we can't, we, we can't decide all of those different things. God has placed you strategically in our church family. 
Find your place of where you're to serve and what you need to do, and God will be at work with you in there. i got one other point that I want to make to you. And, uh, well, let me just em- emphasize this. As you'll notice in this passage of Scripture that, uh, that we're looking at today that you'll find these words, when you come together, when you come together as a church, when you come together, when you come together to eat, when you come together. It was always about the church gathering together. That's the important thing is, is gathering together because that's where we're spiritually fed and then we're able, equipped to go out and to do what God would have us to do. Now, the last thing that I want to point out to you is this, is that you'll notice what he says here. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes, until Jesus comes. Now, the day may come when we're not going to be able to gather here and to do what we've been doing. It may happen. I'm going to tell you in the years, years to come, uh, that may happen. It's already happened in about 20 or 30 countries where uh, the church cannot gather, believers cannot gather together. If you're caught with a Bible, um, you're arrested. If you're caught witnessing to someone, you're arrested. If you're caught uh, in a worship service in a setting like this, gathering and teaching people or baptizing people, you're put in prison. And the day may come when we'll be in house churches, small groups of people. And that's why we need men and women who are solid in the Word of God so that if anything like that happens in the future, we're prepared and you become a leader in your own household. But we can still go on with the Lord's Supper. You see, he says this. We've been commanded to do this until he comes, until our Lord comes back. And so there's a message, we're to proclaim these things. So we're to be a witness, Jesus is alive. We're to be telling our world that. We're to to be uh, proclaiming, I I am a believer, I'm a follower in Jesus. And He's coming back. And I can look for His coming back. And so... So the message that we have is that we have to look ahead to His return. And so all of these things, looking behind us, looking in front of us, looking within us, and looking ahead to see, Lord, are you coming today? Is today going to be the day? All of these were wrapped up in the Lord's Supper. And so I'd like for us to take a moment here, and I'd like for us to just... um, to reflect on some of these things here, and you do some personal examining. And so let's give ourselves a little bit of time, our heads bowed, our eyes closed. The first question we need to ask ourselves is, am I a believer? Have I trusted Jesus as my Lord and my Savior? If you haven't, you can. I was 19 when I said to him, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. I confess to you. I'm lost. Save me. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call upon him today. Is there a sin that needs to be confessed in your life as a believer? 
Ask the Lord for cleansing. Is there restitution that needs to be made? Then do that. Is there reconciliation that needs to be made? Then go to that person and reconcile. Father, your word tells us that we're to examine ourselves and we come before you this morning asking for your Holy Spirit to examine and to work in us. Cleanse us, Lord. Zero in onto the sin in each of our lives. And may we confess that before you. May we receive the bread and the drink in remembrance of you and what you did for us. Bring healing and cleansing to our hearts and our minds, to our physical bodies. And Father, may we forever be sharing the testimony of your work in our lives while we're here on this earth. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you'll take the top of this and pull that off and take out that little piece of bread that's there. The Bible says that Jesus, after praying, took this bread. He broke it and he gave it to them, saying, Take, eat, this is my body that was broken for you. Immediately following that, in the same manner, the scripture says that Jesus took the cup and he said, take, drink. This is the blood of the New Testament. Do this in remembrance of me. Amen. Amen.